Hello there! This is Hypertox and I'm André do Vivier, talking from Beppo Studios in Stockholm. Today we're going to talk about the positivity and clarity that can spring from leaving your job behind. It's the so-called gap. The silence created between the noise. And to dive into this mysterious space exploration that is feared by ones and cherished by others, I have a very special guest. No, he's not an astronaut, but he has been head of media and communications in a governmental organization over the previous decade. And now is currently living in the gap for the fourth time in his life. Please welcome Anthony J. Hello, Andre. Very pleased to be here. I'm quite sure everyone is a bit surprised when you proudly say that you are unemployed. Yes, I think unemployment is something that people don't... They don't feel comfortable with talking about. It's usually not a choice. Some people are obviously fired from their jobs or they're in situations where they have to leave their job. It's very rarely planned to be in a place where you are not employed or not working. And what motivated you to take this uh, this break for the fourth time in your life? I've always taken breaks over the course of my career. I think it's important to not get caught up in the endless consumption of the next step of what you're doing. Sometimes you get on the conveyor belt and then you think that, okay, now I'm here, but what does that mean? So you you stop looking at the small signs around you. You stop sensing things that maybe would be more obvious if you looked up. But how did you prepare yourself and uh, what do you expect from this uh, this break? Like, what are you searching for? I think I wanted the next new me to spring forward. I think it was more about, I had done something for over a decade. And I think when you do something for a long enough time, you lose perspective. So when you looked around, you thought, oh, okay, I've done this for a while. And it seems to be on repeat. A lot of the aspects that the organization dealt with were clearing up the negativity. It was either nuclear radiation or civil protection or counter-trafficking work climate change. So everything was quite heavy all of the time. And mm -hmm. these are challenges that are not really going away. They're getting more complicated as you know more about them. And they change over time. So it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit heavy. So I thought I wanted to do something lighter and change direction. And what have you been doing during your, this free time? Oh, lightness and air. It's been very beautiful actually you when you're working sometimes you don't have time to read the novel that you want to read you end up reading the policy paper mm -hmm. so and the policy paper can be quite dry and dull so then sometimes you you think okay rather than organizing your time around what you want to be doing your time is organized around what you should be doing And that should be doing is planned by someone else. It can be your boss or it can be the organization you work for, the government you work for. And then that becomes problematic after a while because then you're not directing things yourself. 
Yeah, it's super hard to prioritize yourself during this process because usually it's the first thing that uh, you have to let go. Either like have a walk in the street or read your book, go to the gym. or And those are the things that actually keep us mentally and physically healthy. So after 10 years, I think uh, you start losing it, right? Yeah, losing <laughs> it. I, I'm not quite sure I lost it, but I think that after a while you begin to you begin to think is this really what i should be doing with my time is this something that is creating benefit or having impact for me or for others i think it's something that people often forget in a way to take the break to take the gap to walk away from something to let go as you said yeah and sometimes it doesn't even have to be like stopping everything you're doing in your life it can be like uh, changing a little bit that old routine that we get uh, stuck into right yeah I mean you're not in Brazil we've just had snow today so you're not in Rio at the beach yeah no but this uh, like coming coming from Brazil to Stockholm like it has been quite a shift you can imagine not only temperature wise but uh how people behave and everything and it just uh, has shown me a different perspective to to a bunch of stuff but also um the hyper island journey which everyone says it's so transformative it makes you into someone else it actually has helped me be myself more because before leaving rio i thought that i was not feeling connected anymore to to my true self you know And what were you doing in Rio just before you left? I had started my own brand uh, three years before coming here. So it started out as a clothing brand, like we did uh, hand-painted clothing, but it also was a party collective and DJ collective. So it was like a hybrid type of brand around a purpose, which was making the world a more colorful place. Um, it was lots of learning, lots of fun, and lots of hard times as well. And then you came here? I came here because I wanted to find a, a way to put like something working with something purposeful, but also that would gonna be able to give me like money, you know, like something that I could live off. Yeah, be able to pay the bills. Exactly. Yeah, we have to do that nowadays. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. At the moment, I feel quite privileged that I'm not so much in that position, so I can focus on other things for a while. But uh, you don't have any bills to pay. Yeah, they they fix themselves automatically. Oh my God, what's the trick? Yeah, so luxurious. That's nice. So you were a dancer. Um, how many years ago was that? Many years, but I I still try to dance as much as possible. I think that's also something that frees you. It's based on movement and breathing and being in touch with your inner energy, which if you're in a work scenario, in especially in a corporate scenario, maybe you lose after a while. You were also talking before about this, uh, that dance is all about movement, but also about uh, not having any movement, right? Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're dancing either in a group or by yourself, you are around 
a topic or a theme or a, a feeling in some way. And the movement is as important as the break. It's as important as when you stop. We tend to be in a society that is about perpetual movement and perpetual movement will only take you so far. Then there's, there's no there's no respite in that you have to you have to be able to there's an in-breath and an out-breath and I think if you're perpetually moving without any breaks or stops that is well it's not sustainable but it doesn't it doesn't help you see or or grasp what is around you because you're moving too quickly yeah and um, I relate a lot to that because uh Ever since I started DJing, I have never valued silence so much. Like the lack of sound. It's necessary. And the silence is part of the music, right? Yeah, totally. Can you talk a little bit more about your DJing? Yes, sure. It all started because I was the iPod guy who had the playlists on his iPod and brought to people's houses. And I, I kind of started DJing because a friend of mine have a club. And uh, it was just like a hobby, something that I would never really took that seriously. But uh, then I went to this magical party where they were playing all sorts of type of uh, music, like disco, African music, Brazilian music. Like it was just a bunch of different types of genres put together. The thing that made them good together was the feeling that they uh, made me feel so from that point on I saw like, how powerful music can be and how how it's like the easiest or the most effective tool to changing someone's humor some what someone is feeling like depending on what you put to play you can make someone feel angry can feel introspective happy um, I always go for the happy one <laughs> I love uh, the sense of like making someone feel good about themselves, you know, and that's what fascinates me about music and about being a DJ. Like, it's uh, there are no boundaries to genre. It's all about feeling for me. So you you mix between you fuse between the different styles. Yeah, totally. Um, I go from Italo disco to uh, African Caribbean. Uh, Anything that uh, like makes you feel warm inside, you know. And I used to, I used to say that uh, it's music to dance with a smile on your face. <laughs> very real, very real. Yes, it would be nice to bring that to, to Stockholm. And how is the scene in Rio at the moment? I I really like, I think it's amazing because there are so many independent uh, party producers like I was um, just building stuff from the like from the ground you know like uh, we don't have any clubs we just uh, um, rent a space and build everything on our own like massive decorations sound systems like it's um uh, it's like a movement you know and these things are uh, pop up these things happen in different places around the city or is there a particular Well, um, in Rio specifically, they are usually on what we call the city center, where it's mainly enterprise buildings, so that no one lives there. That's why we can do it over there. And they are usually illegal. 
well, which makes it uh, fun for the audience, but a bit frightening for whoever <laughs> is producing it. <laughs> For the club promoters, yeah, exactly. you, you never know whether you're going to get shut down. Oh no, yeah, I think uh, in Brazil you learn to improvise. Uh, there's no way around it. We call it the Brazilian little way. The little way. Yeah, it can be a good thing, but also bad. Um, uh, like there's no, uh, no one can say to you, "Look, you cannot do this." There's no way. There's always a way. You know, also that's been useful for your time at Hyper, where you have to produce things with no budget, no time. You don't know the team. Off you go. Exactly. So that's why I'm never stressed about it because I know that in the end we will find a way. It will fix. It will roll. But also, it's. Uh, it, I think this is a really interesting behavioral concept about the Brazilian because uh, there's this positive side about the creativity behind it. But also the negative side that they don't accept the rules because they always think there's a, another way. So I think a lot of uh, unethical things can come from that, like small corruption. Um, uh, Or acts. large corruption. Exactly, because it all scales up. Like when you're a normal civilian um, and you pay a security guard to go inside the place that they sold out tickets or something. And that's a very small corruption thing. But once you are in politics, for maybe for you, it's a small thing to um, get a little money from the hospital budget. But for the rest of the people, it's a huge thing, you know. And which also makes it even hard for Brazilians to complain about corruption because we are doing it ourselves in a smaller scale. Oh, you mean kind of mini embezzlement, day-to-day -day embezzlement of funds here and there. It's a little bit under the radar. Yeah, of course. I think we, if we want change, we have to start to, from ourselves. Yeah, I mean, in a way, that's why I left the job that I was in before. Because when you when you work in a political organization your political masters, in a way, are the ones that run the direction. You're a civil servant. You have no agency. But after a while, you, you begin to think that you're part of the system and what you enact is also in some way agreeing with policies that you're not comfortable with or are actually against you you understand that the system that you're in is not conducive to you being yourself totally. And in the beginning, you think, okay, just by showing up, it's almost a political act by me being here in these countries and being an out gay man would say something that, okay, I'm here, so we're all going to have to just deal with this. I'm open. But at the same time, you think, I don't actually need to be in this space. I could be somewhere else. I could be somewhere that feels good. A tallow disco under the glitter ball. Yeah. Anthony, you mentioned before about uh, walking outside towards yourself. Um, what does that mean? Oh, uh, yeah. So one of, the, one of the authors that I read quite a lot, Rebecca Solnit, she has a book called Wonderlust 
where she talks about walking and how we are in the world and who we are when we walk outside of ourselves, when we see others and we see ourselves and what our place is within that, what can we do? And I think a lot of the time that I am taking these breaks, it's a kind of reset for myself to see, okay, if I'm doing something good, quote unquote, is it impactful or am I thinking that I'm doing something good or are others thinking that we are doing something good when actually we're not making that much of a difference? So what is it? Where can you place yourself? Where can you walk to? Where can you go to, to then continue doing something good or be in a site that is impactful for you and others where you feel whole in yourself in a sense and how do you find this uh, this holiness in you how do you understand what is you and what is uh, the surroundings because uh, when we're in the middle of uh, a bunch of chaos it's very hard to separate Yeah, what is us and what is uh, other people's influences in our surroundings? You know, influences come from all over the place. You know, we, we live in a very 24-hour society where news comes through all the time and your phone is blinking and you're never really switched off. And to do something analog, to read a book, turn the page, not listen to it on your podcast that we're on now... Uh, <laughs> But to to actually sit with with text, for instance, it can be visual, it can be going to the gallery or walking to the bookstore. But I, I have certain resets that take you somewhere else. So, of course, you're reading someone's thoughts. They're not your original thoughts. You didn't come up with them. You're reading the book. But they may be in that slower pace, take you somewhere else. So you can you can realign easier because there's less there's less influence when you're in a when you're in an office space for instance or you're in a space where you run your own business you have staff you have teams to lead you have you know sales to make you focus on that you don't you don't look up so i think where we are now there's so many confusing cross narratives happening And you can get caught up in those. I mean, you can't even uh, search for something on Google on your phone that uh, you're interrupted by three notifications. Yeah. So one, there's that. We could, of course, turn the notifications off. But I mean, you're you're in an algorithm. You're tied to certain. You're tied to certain apps. You're tied to certain processes that mathematically take you somewhere because someone has programmed that. Mm -hmm. So. Is that that you are being programmed to be taken somewhere or is that that you are programming something yourself to take you somewhere? So you're, you're in a site that is mutable or changeable in a way where you feed in the data and then the data feeds you and you get some addictive dopamine from that. Yeah, you, and like, you need more. And... Uh... And it's weird it's, uh, because sometimes we want that, uh, that response from the data, like when we want a good movie recommendation. And then uh, at the same time, we think it's uh, also putting us into this bubble. 
Yes, but I I also think that the bubble that you're in can be because you if you have a demanding job or you're 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 in a period of study that is intense, then you're not in a position to look up because you have a deadline, because you have something to submit, because the the weekly target needs to be made. And so you're thinking about that. A lot of a lot of my time in my break has been kind of catching up with things that I haven't read, I haven't watched, I haven't listened to, things that people talk about that you, you know, you go to an art museum, you buy something, you don't look at it. And then it sits on the shelf. You haven't watched that thing, you haven't downloaded it, you haven't dealt with it, you haven't processed it. So things build up because you think, oh, that would be interesting. It's a spark, but you can't follow the spark because the spark has been lost. You had it in that moment, but then you move city or you you meet someone else or your phone blinks and then that spark is gone. So there's a lot about having time off, about listening to intent also, to be present, to think about what it is that you are sourcing and what is coming towards you. Because I think a lot of time we find ourselves in situations that are not inspirational. Mm-hmm. The people around us are not inspiring. We wonder why we're there. You're doing it out of habit or you're doing it because that's what's been presented to you because you don't have time to to source or find other inspiration points So you kind of get lost. There's this interface between you and the world and then it becomes fuzzy. And what the world brings to you, you end up accepting rather than critiquing. You don't think artistically or critically. You don't think openly. You think through what you've been told. And that is a dangerous situation to be in. And we all find ourselves in that situation at one time or another. Yeah, that's why it's important to go into these breaks once in a while, right? Yeah, like I've taken sabbaticals before, but I think sabbatical is when you leave something and then you go back to where you were before. Mm. So it operates as a break, it operates as time between you and the something you were doing before. But I think having a total split and walking away from something is much stronger because then you're untethered you're not you're you're kind of boundless to things so you have no idea about uh, what's your next step after this break nope and how does that make you feel feels great actually <laughs> so as i said it could be it could be disastrous <laughs> i could have made a huge mistake i could have walked out of my fancy ass job and in a year's time think oh my god where am i i'm completely lost but i i don't think so it's almost it's almost like sailing you know you look around and there's a horizon you're on a boat you don't see anything in front of you apart from water but you are somewhere mm-hmm. and and if you kind of look into that internal map of yourself kind of an emotional landscape of yourself then there will be some direction but sometimes because you've done things for a longer period of time and they've been front and center for for maybe too much time you 
you end up losing that focus. So you need a kind of, you need, it's almost a, it's a cleaning process. It's kind of a tidying, cleaning process. And also you probably will get the chance to start something that you haven't even given the chance to um, before. And that can lead to other stuff. Like, I, yeah, I think it's small things. You know, if you go to you go to a place every day, say four or five days a week, you take the same route. If you stop going to that place, your route changes. Therefore, you meet different people, you do different things, you expose yourself to other experiences. So just a simple change of route brings you somewhere else and that's somewhere else you don't know where that is actually so i've made a decision to not fly i haven't flown since last june so what's that seven eight months it's not so much but i feel that the answers to the questions whatever it is i'm seeking will be here in stockholm this is where i live uh-huh. so there is this decision process that is kind of grounded in place. So it's a kind of stopping things. And by stopping things, you clear things. I became quite obsessed at the beginning of the year of clearing my calendar. I didn't want to have any appointments. I didn't want to have anything scheduled. I didn't want to have anything in the calendar at all. To remove everything is counterintuitive Mm -hmm. of what we are told to do. We are told to fill everything. We are told to gather as many things as possible and be a consumer and and to absorb and to comment and to be engaged. And, and after a while, that becomes the normative system that you live in, when actually you could do that, but in reverse. So you you're not engaged, you're not involved, you're not there. You're actually absent. So it's a kind of retraction that clears space for things. Like intuition to come. Because uh, if we're always on that loop of thoughts and a bunch of things, um, it's as if we're rationalizing all the time and coming up with like, explanations for everything. And, uh, and then we're only listening to our intellect. But lots of amazing answers are in our intuition. Yeah, we don't... We don't know we don't know the answers to everything. And I think currently we are primed in a way to believe that we have the answers in our phone. Google will tell us, Siri will tell us. There will be answers that are given to you, and not everything is explicable. We have a potential pandemic coming with a virus is very contagious and is spreading very quickly and people are expecting but why are we in quarantine or there was a sandstorm this week in the Canary Islands and people were outraged that they couldn't get home (laughs) because there was a sandstorm and and that these contingencies should be made They should be in place. And of course, they're not in place because we've never experienced a stand, sandstorm like that before. So we are primed that there will always be an answer and sometimes there isn't. And to to walk out into a space where there isn't an answer is quite beautiful. 
because our ancestors didn't have answers. They didn't know whether the ice would retreat or whether this land was hospitable to them. They just walked onto it and they set up communities and they went from there. Of course, it's a, it's a privileged position to be able to step outside for a while. But as I say, I planned for it. I knew that I would do this. Uh, I had been there for a very long time in my previous position. So it was planned for, but, but now, now I'm in a position where it doesn't matter if I'm at home sketching all day. So I've started drawing churches. That's quite random. It's like a random activity. But there is, there is something in it where you think, oh, yes, I remember. I can draw. That's very beautiful. I forgot that because you don't spend time drawing. So, and then you remember, oh, yeah, I went to art college. So, yeah, I can draw. So you, it's putting yourself back where you could be. You might move forward and not use it at all. But it's, it's kind of reactivating your inner core. Have you heard about the Virpassana? I think that's how you, it's like this uh, retreat that you do for 10 days without uh, speaking and without having any contact with anyone. Yeah, I, even... I don't think I could do that. 10 days without speaking. So I asked my dad if he have ever heard about it because I'm super curious to try it. And he said, um, not that name, but I used to do that a lot. And I was like, how come? And he said, oh, um, uh, I just went to my to a farm and stayed there by myself. Um, the first week would be miserable, like I would feel lonely and like bored. But after a certain period of time, it's like that's life, you know. And you're living in that uh, vacant space. Yeah, I think I think vacant space is quite nice when you're when you're. In a space, I am not sure it has to be on a farm, but you know, you're you're somewhere where your next step is not obvious. It doesn't present itself to you. You have to occupy yourself. It's a little bit like being an only child without siblings. So you're there, you have to play in your head, you have to be imaginative, you have to think, okay, I'm gonna fix this. And again, You can do something after work or after school or on the weekend with your partner, with your friends. But there's something about being alone for most of the time. Yeah, and that's... it's and uh, for us who are used to being living in this uh, noisy and full of information society, it's sometimes can be uncomfortable to sit in the silence. Yeah, you're told it's uncomfortable. You're not. Everyone has all these filler words all the time to bridge the gap of what, mm. yeah, mm, like, uh. Uh, yeah, sure. So living in the vacancy is something quite new. And it was planned. And when you, when you talk to people, there is some, you get kind of a couple of reactions. People are either jealous and love it and think, oh my God, <laughs> I want to do that too. Or they look at you as if, You're maybe having a breakdown. I like you a crazy person. Yeah. Okay. He's crazy. He. D why is he doing this? And they get quite uncomfortable. Uh, people ask you how you pay your bills. That's another <laughs> question. It's funny how in Stockholm they don't even. Uh, 
hesitate. They just ask that, right? Yeah, they just ask direct. How do you pay your bills? Uh, the normal way through the bank, and and then you you're also asked, but you should be, you know, there is of course there is a necessity to engage with social beings and having an impact and doing something you believe in, doing something for the good or, you know, to pay your bills is is valuable in society, to be a part of society. So it's not something that is long term. Otherwise, you would become a hermit. Otherwise, you would be, you know, in a tower living on your own, growing a long beard. And we don't live in that time. I'm not a wizard, so I don't need a long beard. But you, you meet a kind of... Yeah, I would say an uncomfortability when you say, yeah, I'm not engaged in anything right now. I'm I'm not working. I'm taking time off. And then there's question marks in people's heads. And it was only when I understood myself, aha, uh-huh, I do this. This is my mechanism for realignment or retooling or reevaluating. I leave what I'm doing. I clear a space. And then I gravitate towards something else over time. And sometimes that time is quite short. And sometimes that time is a little bit longer. Because then you you re-evaluate and you get... You bring yourself in touch with your preoccupations, which you have either forgotten or you haven't had time for or you haven't had the energy for. Or you didn't see things brew over time. And I think this brewing of ideas is also something that if you get a stipendium and you're doing an art project and you're on a residency, then you have time to brew ideas. But most of the time you don't. Your ideas, you have to do them quickly. You have to do them in one. You have to learn fast, break fast, be innovative, prototype, quick. And sometimes you don't need quick. Sometimes you need slow. Mm -hmm. And it's about being able to reset the dial between quick and slow, I would say. For me, it was, I was doing something that was quite set and I wanted to break that. Mm -hmm. So whatever else will happen, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll do a PhD in medieval studies. Who knows? Amazing. You were also talking about uh, living in color, like seeing in color. What does that mean for you? To remember to enjoy yourself. To remember to live in that moment in a way. I think it, understanding yourself, um, feeling good about yourself and uh, what makes you feel good will eventually make you see the world in a more colorful way. And I think that's what makes us feel alive and feel happy. Um, I would like to thank you very much, Anthony, for coming to HyperTalks and to Beppo Studios for having us as well. Um, uh, would you like to say anything else, like a last message for everyone down on Earth? Everyone down on Earth. I Yeah, I would just reiterate to take forward into this next decade your very best self. And 2020 and beyond needs to see more colour 
Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.